0: Welcome to Asia Rising, the podcast from La Trobe, Asia, where we discuss news, views and general happenings of Asian states and societies. I'm your host, Matt Smith. The 19th Chinese Communist Party Congress has been and gone, and in its wake we're left with a more powerful Xi Jinping with a far-reaching vision for the future of his country. But what could it mean in the long term? And is Xi making a power play that could see future change in both the party and the political makeup of China? Joining me to discuss these issues is Rowan Callick. He's the China correspondent for The Australian, author of Party Time, Who Runs China and How, and a member of the advisory board for the China Studies Research Centre at La Trobe University. The Chinese Communist Party is at the centre
1: of Chinese life and interestingly is becoming more so. Some people had thought that with the opening and reform era under Deng Xiaoping, gradually it would fade away, but not. Under Xi Jinping, the General Secretary, for five years and for another five and maybe ten years to come, the party is taking more of a central role and the government is finding itself getting squeezed out as the mere implementer. She talks about having red blood, very important. His father was an important party leader. And the idea that the 89 million members of the party incorporate all that is best in China today, in Chinese history, in Chinese culture, is a very strong one. It's now very difficult to separate the party from any organisation inside China. Indeed, the new edict is that every organisation, every religious group, every sporting group, every foreign company, we've just heard that more than 70% of foreign companies, in fact, already have party branches inside them. This is uh, what sets China apart and makes it very
0: different from almost any country in the world. A traditional kind of Western mindset is to be slightly uh, watchful of the government and cautious about the government. America famously has the Second Amendment, so that they have the right to bear arms in case they need to take care of their government. But here, the Chinese Communist Party is uh, something to be proud of, it's upheld. If you're a party member, what does the Chinese Communist Party mean to your average Chinese person? Well it's very hard to say what an average Chinese person is. This is the most
1: individualistic culture in the world, maybe comparable only to United States. People here have very different views. I have Chinese friends in one family whose views range from full admiration for everything the party has achieved to complete antipathy everything the party has achieved. So you can find a full range. Can you find full range of expression of that publicly? No, that's the issue. The party state here, and I think this is a better way of describing China than any other word, party state, has devoted considerable effort to watching what people are doing online and offline. So this is the most closely observed place in the world, I think, in terms of what people say, how they express themselves, where they go. These things are all
0: well known and can be assessed if needed. Am I correct in my belief that if you want to get ahead in China, you need to be a party member? That's the only way that you're going to get a job of a certain prestige and level. Is party membership a badge of honor of something to be proud of in China?
1: Of course, for many people it is. And uh, if you want to get a senior job in government, as well as in the party itself, then you have to be a member. Mm -hmm. And if you want to be a successful entrepreneur, you need to be a party member as well. This is quite important so that you're the secretary of the party branch in the company that you run is a very favourable position. But there are many other people in China who actually are doing things who are not party members, don't want to be, because becoming a party member is also a point of responsibility. You yourself are more closely watched than other people. The Central Commission for Discipline Inspection has been extraordinarily zealous in the last five years at pursuing party members who showed disloyalty or indiscipline in what is sometimes called an anti-corruption campaign. So you're placing yourself up for promotion, for success, but also held up for
0: greater vigilance at the same time. We've just had in Beijing not too long ago, the 19th Party Congress. I Believe that you were there. Uh, I'd, I'd like to get your impression of it as an event first. Uh, how was it uh, for somebody who was there, and what kind of perception did you get that the Congress was trying to give to you? The Congress
1: was a huge event in China for the weeks beforehand. And so this was uh, an event that changed how people lived their daily lives. So A lot more people in uniform on the streets at every subway stop and so on, even at a very strange level. For example, we're not allowed to print out large documents. So a friend of mine, uh, for their child at school, wanted to print out a, a decorative Chinese character, but the place where it's going to be printed said, we're not allowed to print such large items at the Congress time. Were they worried about protest signs or things like that? Yes that's right and so uh, people were for example told please do not make emergency phone calls so a student uh, had something uh, stolen, put in a call to the emergency line to the police and then his uh, college suspended him and so the statistics might have made it seem as if there was more crime during the (laughs) Congress and so on. So it's a very important time for China. It was a very red time, lots of banners on the streets, but there are no concomitant celebrations, nothing public, particularly in Beijing. The party doesn't like people gathering together. And so for the big parades that sometimes people see on TV overseas, there's no one on the streets because people are told to stay at home. So the party is a time for the members, almost 3,000 who gathered at the Great Hall of the People. But otherwise, it's a time of strangeness and dislocation for ordinary life here
0: in Beijing, anyway. And as a member of the foreign press, you were allowed to go to the event itself. I understand there was a cone of silence as well, that you uh, you couldn't use the internet or anything in there, so you couldn't make commentary or anything like that, or, or file anything while it was on. So what was that event itself like, and what impression did you get, say, from the, the Congress proceedings and what Xi Jinping was saying? I have to confess to being a bit of a groupie for party <laughs> ritual, I,
1: so I find these events fascinating. So. Nothing out of the ordinary, actually, for this party congress. It was a who's who of the Chinese establishment. Mm. So this was the big message from the party congress. We may not like what you're doing. You've unleashed this discipline inspection commission on some of us and some of our friends and associates. You've taken all authority to yourself, you've restructured how the party uh, makes its decisions, but we have come to the conclusion after watching what happened in the Soviet Union that together we stand, divided we fall, we have no choice but to stand up behind you and demonstrate our solidarity with you and the party. So this is a, a kind of impressive declaration by
0: the Chinese elite. Come what may, we're going to stick together. And uh, the you that you're referring to there is, is Xi Jinping. As a result of the Party Congress, his role has changed in the party. Is it a subtle change? Is it a tweaking? What, what is going to happen now with the Chinese Communist Party and Xi Jinping's role? Before the Congress, she had already succeeded
1: in squeezing out the factions that had kept a kind of balance. This is a large country, and it's not a federation. It's the only country in the world which is not run federally of this size. So inevitably, you see factions, regional interests, and so on emerge. She had squeezed a lot of that uh, out in order to ensure people with personal loyalty to him start to come to the fore. The same with the big families in the party, one or two of them, like Zhou Yongkang's family, is out forever, and Bo Shilai, his big rival, and Bo's father was his father's rival, and so on, out forever. But otherwise, the big families in the party kept quiet or kept loyal to Xi. At the Congress itself, what we saw was this process already in train being reinforced, doubled. So Xi is now elevated his thought on socialism with Chinese characteristics for the new era has been enshrined alongside the thought of Mao Zedong Mm. inside the party constitution, elevating it really above Deng Xiaoping's mere theory and certainly above his predecessor's Hu Jintao and Jiang Zemin, whose uh, contributions are not associated with their names in the party constitution. Xi Jinping's Belt and Road Initiative, for example, is also now placed in the constitution. So to criticize that is to criticize the party, uh, which is to criticize the general secretary, Xi himself. Mm. So this places him above anyone else alive in China in terms of the authority within this system and uh, makes it very difficult for people to challenge him. So people more or less who have different views, uh, who favor a more um, uh, liberal future for China or more supportive of a more independent rule of law, for example, just have to sit this out now they have no alternative but to wait for the next 10, 15 years
0: while this Xi Jinping elevation runs its course, if that's what happens. You say run its course, but do you get the impression that Xi Jinping has any intention of letting it run its course? It seems like he's putting pieces in place so that for maybe the 20th Party Congress or down the track... I don't want to say that the the government or system is going to change or something like that, but it seems like this is working towards something. I think what we see is what we're going to get, uh, but yes, how long it carries on
1: for is difficult to know. Would you use the T word? In terms of information, we are entering a totalitarian period. All it needs is a decision to use an axe to cut away access to virtual private network, VPNs, and then the whole of the world is cut off. And then we do have China as completely an intranet, not an internet. That's something that people, particularly at universities and uh, in companies that are seeking to be innovative, greatly fear. The convention is that within the party, a general secretary serves two terms. But it's a convention. Xi Jinping has not defied those conventions so far. He uh, made sure that his ally, Wang Qishan, stepped down once he reached a certain age of the 68, as the convention required at, at this party congress. So we'll see what happens in five years, whether he wants to go on for another term as secretary general. If he wants to, he could do that, the party I think he's incapable of standing in his way about anything really. But he may choose not to and he might take up another job but behind the scenes retain the most influence as Deng Xiaoping retained when he sort of retired. We don't know but certainly in influence terms that's why I'm talking about five to ten years at least. So I think we have to look for ten years of full influence in
0: some way or another. Can you talk to me about how the cult of Xi Jinping is developing as well in China? Do you think that it could or does rival the cult of Mao?
1: I don't think that it's possible for a personality cult to develop like that of Mao Zedong in the past. China has changed and people have changed here. People are traveling around the world. People are well educated and uh, there is also within the party itself a great resistance to returning to the days of the cultural revolution and the personality cult. The party actually has a constitutional clause against personality cult. That being said, the new thought of Xi Jinping has not really found an easy resonance with people to understand what it is. It's quite difficult for party propaganda chiefs to promote this new era that she is talking about without promoting him. There are other phrases, a China dream and so on, that can arouse some sort of uh, idea of China moving in a new direction. And those are the sort of thing they're trying to push. But at the same time, she's authority has become such that it's inevitable that He himself is promoted more than any leader we've seen since Mao. And we see anecdotally there's a dozen of Hernan's most senior party leaders driving to a rural spot where she planted a tree and photographed standing to attention contemplating the tree Mm. that the great leader planted There are quite a few anecdotes like this. If you go to places here in Beijing, you can buy uh, Xi Jinping fridge magnets, ceramic plates, all sorts of things. But I think that there's no question of people going in the streets and responding to something, holding up books of Xi. For a start, his book on governance has got hundreds of pages. I think it's too much to hold up and uh, People have uh, pulled back a bit from this. This doesn't mean that anti-Xi, I think most people in China, probably we don't know, it's hard to poll these things, but most people in China are quite supportive of him, but I don't think they're going to rally in that highly personalised way that we saw about Mao, even though, as I say, it's difficult for the propaganda chiefs to know what else to do, and even though some party members are going to try to demonstrate their zeal by observing how wonderful she is by singing songs to him and so on. And we've seen plenty
0: of that in in the last few years already. We'll see more to come. And in the meanwhile, Xi Jinping and the Chinese Communist Party are more powerful and have more control than they ever have.
1: Yeah, I think the party has got no reason to be concerned about its authority There is one thing though. They ask where the source of their legitimacy is and they seek it in China. They say, we are incorporating China, Chinese history, Chinese mythology, everything to do with China. The party has wrapped it around itself in its many ways of trying to seek legitimacy. The core one of the last couple of decades has been prosperity. You've become prosperous because of the party. I think this is perhaps the area they may feel most concerned about because prosperity and having a better future for your children than for yourself certainly one of the great achievements of the party but it cannot be guaranteed in a large country like this forever so at some stage the graph is not going to keep rising at the same pace and at some stage china is going to hit a bump some people say at the moment, there are issues about debt that in future years may cause that bump. What happens then is an interesting question, challenges to legitimacy, and tied up with that is the feeling, particularly among China's growing middle class, among the new generation, we don't really owe our prosperity or our family's prosperity to the party. This is really our doing. We've been educated. Our parents have saved and worked hard. So it's not thanks to the party that uh, we're doing well as a family or China's doing well. It's thanks to the Chinese people and thanks to families like ours. So I think a a changed disposition. So that must raise some questions and inevitably the party will be thinking ahead.
0: That's Rowan Callick. China correspondent for The Australian and author of Party Time, Who Runs China and How? And you have been listening to Asia Rising, a podcast from Latrobe Asia. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts and on SoundCloud and reviews, as always, are appreciated. Latrobe Asia is on Twitter. You can follow us at Latrobe Asia. I'm Matt Smith and thanks for listening.